Is Quinton Musty one of the biggest boomer bust players in the draft? Brock Otten of McKean's Hockey joins to profile the winger and why he has such a huge range of opinions uh, from all of the draft experts. So on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you for making Locked on Sharks your first listen, proudly a part of the Locked on Network, where we cover your team every day. And if you want to be an everyday, all you got to do is just follow along wherever you get your uh, favorite podcast from, or you can watch this on YouTube as well. And uh, Brock Otten from McKean's Hockey joins us to talk about Quentin Musty, who uh, very high among the kind of public scouts, but um, who knows where he's going to go because there's some definitely some some red flags and concerns with him. But if he hits, uh, whoever gets him could be getting a steal in the draft because he just has that type of potential. So. All right, before we get into it with Brock, I uh, do want to let you know this, this, this episode is brought to you guys by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And now we bring on Brock Otten, uh, OHL Prospects Coverage, podcast for the OHL, uh, and director of scouting for McKean's Hockey. Brock, we're almost there. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me back on again. Oh, thanks for coming on. I know this time of year is always a crunch for everybody. Um, so I appreciate you carving out some time to, ch- to chat about one. Quentin Musty. And if you don't know who Quentin Musty is, uh, let's get you guys familiar. So Quentin Musty, a forward for Sudbury in the OHL, six foot to 190 pounds, big boy, uh, 53 games last year. It's 26 goals, 52 assists, 207 shots on goal. And I ask what I ask everybody, what makes Quentin Musty such an intriguing prospect? Yeah, it's it's definitely that package of size and skill, right? Like you don't see a lot of players like musty come around all that often anymore right um mm-hmm. those components of his game that power component of his game yeah it's it's inconsistent but if everything goes according to plan with his development the upside is pretty significant right you've got a big guy that can play the power game but also has great vision and creativity with the puck and and that's ultimately what makes him really intriguing especially when he's not necessarily being considered a lock for the lottery. He his the opinions on Musty are are all over the place. He's a very polarizing prospect, and I'm sure we're gonna mm-hmm. get into that in a second. Um, but when you're picking at the back end of the first, if he's still available at um the shark's second pick there, he's gonna be a very intriguing option for a lot of teams in that range. Yeah, so I mean you you well we'll start with the kind of the rankings, right? I mean, I feel like you've seen maybe a little bit here as we've gotten close to the the end of the draft, right? You know, end of the draft season here where rankings start to climb up. But I mean, you know, you see him kind of anywhere from twelve or thirteen by some people to kind of 
you know, end of the first, beginning of the second uh, rankings for other people. Like, why is it, uh, is it just the inconsistency thing with him where you, you know, I know, uh, spoiler for tomorrow, uh, time is a weird thing, but um, I know he had mono for the beginning of the season, right? And that, I think you have to take that into account of a guy who's not fully there and kind of by the end of the season, it sounded like he was a much different and better player, right? Yeah, and Sudbury had a coaching change too. Uh, they were kind of a mess at the beginning of the year, and they brought in former NHLer Derek McKenzie to run the show. And Musty's game grew a ton under McKenzie. He really seemed to gain confidence in almost all facets of the game, and his play did improve a, a lot over the course of the year. And that's why we're starting to see the rankings on him creep up. But you're still seeing rankings in that early second round range or late first round range like us at McKean's we have musty in the early second round and um it, it all depends on how you view the faults right and how likely they are to correct themselves um yeah, uh, yeah. when you're looking at a a fault like compete level right mm -hmm. is is that something that really improves a ton over a player's development path if that's something that's inconsistent is it really going to become more consistent when you're playing against the world's best in the nhl against players who do have that internal drive and we've seen prospects many times over right where that compete level is is a concern because it's inconsistent and then when they're trying to you know, progress at the AHL level and, and make the NHL level, it remains a concern, right? Other There are guys who fix that, right? There are yeah. definitely guys who the light bulb turns on, but there are more that it doesn't. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's ultimately, ultimately where we kind of see Musty is, okay, so yeah, there's there are so many positives and his play did improve a ton. But when you've got a player who, in my opinion, does have some skating deficiencies, who does have inconsistent compete level, who does, you know, concern me a little bit with his play away from the puck. Um, he's somebody who has a very good shot, a very high-end shot, but he doesn't score a lot of goals. And he's not mm. scoring those goals like a guy like Colby Barlow does. That It's extremely projectable to the NHL level because, yeah, he, he's unleashing one-timers at the, at the dot. He's... You know, he's he's shooting off his back foot when he's driving uh, wide. He's, you know, he's scoring those those good highlight reel type high-end shot, high-end shooter goals. But he's also, you know, battling for position near the net, you know, deflecting shots in, putting home rebounds and competing in that area. And, and that component of Musty's game is the most inconsistent, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And when I look at projecting him to playing with two other really good players with puck you know is he going to be able to be a really good complimentary piece when he needs to be or is he kind of just going to be one of those guys that fades um, yeah thomas vanek i think is a perfect example of somebody like that right and i think that's why we've seen vanek have you know he had a pretty long nhl career but he did bounce around a lot because he was one of those guys that was a really good player on mm. not so great teams because you know, he could load up points on the power play when he had more time and space, uh, but wasn't necessarily somebody who you counted on to be a frontline player on a team with championship aspirations. 
So I, I, ultimately, I, I know it's a very long-winded answer, but that's sort of where we're coming from uh, with our ranking of Musty in a second, and, and in other people um, similarly with ranking in that uh, with Musty ranked in that same range. Whereas you've got other people who look at Musty in that top twelve, top fourteen range because they put so much value on upside, and I, I think yep. that ultimately is is where your your priorities lie. Um, are you just shooting for the stars? Or are you, you know, shooting a little bit for the stars, but also being a realist? Yeah. All right. So you mentioned, you know, you kind of hit a lot of his issues he needs to work on. It sounds like his compete and his skating type of thing. And those are skating, I feel, is very more correctable. You know, if, if and not everybody's going to correct it, but you feel like skating is a more correctable thing. Compete is that's a more of an internal type of thing. All right, guys, before we continue on with Brock and we talk about Quentin Musty's timeline, um, do need to take a quick break. Uh, talk to you guys about our good friends over at uh, FanDuel. And um, you guys know baseball season is in full swing right now, and there's no better place to get in action than FanDuel, America's number one sports hook, because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars has one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win just go to fandle.com slash locked on to join today um i feel like you gotta bet the giants right now the giants have been really kind of been playing some of their best ball over the past few weeks here and um i think you just gotta keep running the giants right now so don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join fandle today just go to fandle.com slash locked on to sign up fandle official partner of major league baseball major league baseball trademarks used with permission um but what do you think is if he continues and becomes you know uh as professional hockey player what do you think is gonna be that calling card skill for him that is going to be that like okay this is why he's an nhl player for yeah it's definitely his vision and his creativity with the puck he he's one of the i would say one of the best one-on-one -on -one players in the ohl and i think that was something that really improved over the course of the ohl season early on mm -hmm. coming off that i would say a little bit disappointing Holinka performance for Team USA. And, and yes, it, it's a tough event because the USA is sending, uh, we'll call it a B plus squad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it like anything lower than that. There's still a lot of players on that are on that team that are really good that are going to get drafted. But you know, it's obviously not the development team program. Yep. Um, you know, I think his performance was a little bit disappointing there. So coming off of that with a coach that he obviously didn't connect all that well with and that the team didn't connect all that well with. I felt like he was trying to just force things and, and mm -hmm. there were a lot of offensive zone turnovers and a lot of plays where he would just drive with the head down and turnover, turnover, turnover. And then with that coaching change, we started to see him vary his pace and, and vary um, some of the things that he was doing and some of the way that he was, he was approaching the game. Um, not always just driving straight on. He would dump and chase and he would be a little bit more willing to battle in the corners. And he was using his teammates a little bit more. And, and that's where that creativity as a, as a playmaker really blossomed. And I think that that's definitely his calling card is his ability to make his line mates better. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I do think that the shot and the scoring ability will translate at some point. Um, his shot is too good. It's just too good for him not to score a boatload of goals, at least at the OHL level. <laughs> yeah. What happens moving forward will depend on that compete and that skating ability um, improving. 
but the calling card is definitely the playmaking ability. All right. Um, so we know the Sharks have been trying to work their their prospect forward, and a lot of them are a little bit on the uh, the the shorter side. Uh, will be nice here uh, with our short kings like Bortolo and you know Eklund's five ten, and uh, even with the Sharks expected draft will smith is only six foot so um i know having some variety and some big guys uh like quentin musty is six foot two and already 190 pounds at you know 17 he's not even 18 yet doesn't turn 18 until july um you know kind of where if the sharks do draft him does does it seem like a good fit for to have some more variety like that in your prospect pool yeah i, I would absolutely say so I, I think that if he's there still when San Jose picks at the back end of that first round, I do think that's a good pick for the organization. One, because of where they are in their timeline, right? They can afford yep. to take a chance on a high upside guy like Musty in that range. There's probably not going to be many guys left in that range that have as high upside as Musty does, right? And that's how you turn around your franchise. And if you miss on him, you're probably going to have some other high-end picks in the next couple of years. You've also had previous high-end picks Yep. that are going to you know help to to turn your fortunes around so you can afford to take that chance right um other teams i i don't think necessarily can or yep. will but the san jose is definitely some somebody that I, I think could take that chance on on quinton and, and how he fits in you know he's again somebody who potentially could make other players better like if if they can find a really high-end goal scorer to pair with say musty and, and will smith i mean mm -hmm. that could be a really good trio. Um, you know, he similarly, he's somebody who could probably play with, with Eklund. Um, yeah. because again, they're similar kind of high end playmakers. Uh, again, maybe that need to find that really good heavy. I obviously must, he does play a bit of a heavy game, but maybe somebody who, um, can play a bit of a like a chippier game yeah also a bit scrappier yeah, yeah yeah a little bit of a scrappier game to pair mm -hmm. with them but also skilled enough um but yeah that, that's ultimately where he's going to fit in if quinton musty isn't a top six player i i don't think he's an nhl player i think that he's one of those guys that he's going to make the nhl in a first or second line role he's going to be playing on the power play or he's probably not going to make it um and look at a guy like the islanders drafted michael del cole uh, a few mm -hmm. years ago right and, and he um i would say musty's definitely a better playmaker more individually skilled definitely a better skater but there were some similar concerns with the two players and uh, ultimately del cole just couldn't crack the top six and his game is just not tailored to being a bottom six player and i, I think ultimately we'll probably see that with musty too he's he's going to be top six or tweener makes a lot of sense there yeah and you know it it like i get it you know especially at the back end of the first round like taking a swing on especially when your organization like the sharks where you just need more like good players in your system and you feel like you've got some some solid guys who have some upside you know you look at like gushin had a really nice year in the ahl and you start to see that goal scoring potential um eklund i thought really established himself i think they kept him in the ahl for contract reasons which i cannot totally understand um type of situation but like you know they just need more good players and um when you're picking at the back of the first round I, I, that's that comes down to that theory of do you want to kind of play it safe or do you want to kind of take a swing on a guy who could be a complete boomer bust type of player? Like you said, 
play in the NHL or, or you may just never see him type of thing. So, um, I mean, what do you think from an organization? This is kind of a bigger question, especially since you have a, for a top five pick, right? You feel pretty good about Will Smith being an NHL player, as, again, assuming they pick Will Smith. Um, do you think it's the right move to take a swing on a guy like a, a Quentin Musty, or do you think it's better to go more of a safer play like a Otto Stenberg type of guy who you know exactly what his role is going to be type of player when he gets in the NHL. He's probably going to be a, a middle six center, but you can project type of what he's going to be. No, I definitely think that you have to take those big swings when you're an organization like San Jose currently, right? Um, I think that you start to turn your attention to maybe safer players who are going to sort of round out your organization when you, you feel like you're going to turn that corner. Right. I mean, you come the you fun were, frisky team type of yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, you're, you miss the playoffs by a little bit. You feel like your young guys are really coming together. Okay. Now that's when we're going to draft a guy who's probably going to help us in one or two years instead of four or five. We're going to draft a guy who's a little bit safer, a guy mm-hmm. that we feel is going to help fill an organizational need. Maybe we, we have identified that we need that sort of middle six scrappy guy that we were just talking about who can put the puck in the net, who can drive the yep. net, who can play the PK. And maybe that's when you sort of take that chance on, on that player if you manage to acquire another first-round pick or you've got an early second. Um, but when you're in a spot like San Jose or when you're in a spot like Chicago, right, but Those it's literally the, nothing right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that's yeah. that's when I think yeah. you just you take all those big swings and you hope some of them hit. You start to turn things around and then you start to look at filling in the gaps. All right. Um Musty's timeline. Um probably year two in the the O, couple years in the A. You think it's kind of a a, a bit of a time like that, especially if he's going to have to be a top six type of guy for to make the NHL. Uh, so you're probably expecting maybe like a four years before he's making an impact in the NHL type of thing. Yeah, I think three or four years is very safe. I think that he's someone who's probably going to need the full two years in the OHL to just kind of round out his game, just the, the yep. finer details of it, right? Especially away from the puck. Um, and then maybe a year in the AHL, you should be ready. I, I think whenever you've got a guy that isn't the world's best skater, and again, I, I I've brought that up a few times. Musty isn't a poor skater. I just think mm-hmm. there's components of of his skating, like his his first step quickness, that I think need to improve. And I think a lot of that has to do with that inconsistency of of his compete level too. Um, when he gets going, he's fine. It's just that 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 quickness, that acceleration that I think is an issue. So when you've got a player like that, there's always a, a bit of a, a development or there's a, an adjustment period, I should say, in the AHL level for them to adjust to the speed of the pro game, right? Um, so he's someone who probably would adjust quite quickly because he is so skilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just a matter of adjusting to the pace of the NHL and to the strength of the NHL and, and whether his game has come far enough to be that player and um so I, th- I think three years probably minimum makes sense i mean that's kind of the timeline for a lot of these guys kind of in the same especially right, exactly. in the same area mm-hmm. so none of these guys are going to be burning down the house and playing in the nhl in like two years type of situation so all right, guys, before we finish up with brock and we talk about some of his favorite players in the back end of the the first round um and 
who he would target if he was Mike Greer. Uh, I do want to thank you guys for making Locked on Sharks your first listen. Uh, again, probably a part of the Locked on Network. We cover your team every day. And if you want to be an everydayer, all you got to do, just follow along wherever you get your podcasts or you can subscribe on YouTube as well. Uh, Tony Ferrari comes back uh, tomorrow to talk with Mikhail Gulyev and the final draft profile of the season. Um, that'll be 29 draft profiles. So, um, yes, we did it, Joe. We did it. So make sure you guys, again, follow along wherever you get your favorite podcast, or you can watch on YouTube as well. Um, let's talk some bigger draft stuff. Uh, the draft is, uh, when you're hearing this, the draft will be a week away. Who are your some of your favorite players kind of in that back end of the first, beginning of the second? Just guys that uh, maybe being a little undervalued in your opinion. Yeah, I'll give you a few names. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is David Edstrom from Sweden. Um, one thing that I always really look for in players in this sort of range mm -hmm. um, in the back half of the first, I, I always like to target or I always seem to prefer players who've shown such a strong development curve over the course of the season. And Edstrom is some, someone who came into the year as kind of like a middle six checking line center for the Swedish yep. program. And then over the course of the year, his offensive skill set and his confidence and his skating and his shot and every, everything just improved so much. Um, and he was able to become a, a pretty decent SHL player by the end of the year. The injury to Felix Nielsen opened up the door for him to take over the first line center role within the Swedish international team on the U18 side. Um, and he took it and run with it. It ran with it. And he's somebody that I think could go even higher than where San Jose is picking. I honestly could see a team taking him in like the top 16. I really, I've heard a lot about scouts really liking how much he improved in the second half and Big body centers who can skate and put the puck in the net. I mean, those guys, they're pretty rare to find. And you see those are the types that end up getting drafted a lot earlier than, you know, independent scouting agencies seem to have them ranked. So we had Edstrom at the back half of the first round. Um, but I, if it was my own personal list, because that's obviously my team, um, yeah. it was my own personal list, he'd be inside the top 20. Um, he's somebody that I feel has a very good chance to be – a very good middle six center, you know, at worst, maybe like an Adam Lowry um, and at best somebody definitely a, a lot better than that. Um, and I think that holds a, a ton of value. Um, so I know the Red Wings are 1000% going to draft him at pick number seven or yeah, pick number 17 with the Islanders pick, because as you said, going from that fun frisky team, a guy right. who you know is going to help your any Swedish and he's the Red Wings and it's going to work out because that's what happens when there are Red Wings draft players. Take it to the bank. Yeah. You're calling it. You put the money down right now. Yeah. Fandle, where are you at? Where I need to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, give me the next guy. Yeah, and I'll give you another guy that I think has a similar kind of profile and improved in a similar kind of way, and that's Danny Nelson. Um, the rankings on him are all over the place. But again, here is a power center, skates well, showed a ton of improvement over the course mm -hmm. of the year. In my opinion, the most improved player on that development program team over the course of the season. Once they moved him off the wing where they were kind of trying to fit him into like that complimentary workhorse guy with Oliver Moore and it just kind of wasn't working. And then they yeah. moved him down the lineup to have his own line at center. And that's when things really took off for him. He ended up being more of like that shutdown guy for them, uh, top penalty killer. But in his own way, he was creating offense consistently too. 
So I'm very curious to see what he would do if, you know, he was the first line center on a, say, say he wasn't in part of the program and he was on a USHL team, right? Let's say he was on Chicago Steel or Waterloo Blackhawks. You, you take your pick, right? And he was that first line center. You know, what would his production have been like? And, and how would we be viewing him possibly differently, right? And I look at a guy from the program last year, and I don't think they're anywhere close to comparable mm -hmm. as, as players in terms of how they play. But I look at the way that Jimmy Snuggerud improved a ton from the start of last year yep. to the end. He ended up being drafted a lot higher than people had him. And he ended up having a fantastic freshman year and has now sort of emerged as this guy that people are saying, well, wow, he should have been drafted earlier. Like, what were we thinking? So I do feel like Nelson is another one that people are, are kind of sleeping on because he's not the most creative player. He's, he's not necessarily like a, a sexy pick in that regard. He's he's yeah. not going to to win any scoring races anytime soon. But he's somebody that I think has a very safe projection as a really good middle six center. And again, those power centers that can play in any situation, they're they're hard to find. And those are the guys, you, we see it every trade deadline. Like NHL teams are giving up first round picks for the Paul Gostads of the world, right? And yeah. And it's for a reason because teams win in the playoffs with those types of guys. So why not draft them and grow them yourself? Makes sense. Um, yeah. So that's sort of the second one. Um, the third one I'll give you uh, is Nick Lardis, somebody that's mm -hmm. in my backyard. I'll preface this by saying that I, I don't think that he goes in this range. I think that he's probably somebody that gets drafted like mid second to late second. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that NHL teams are a little bit of a, afraid of a smaller, skilled, quick guy who plays more of a north-south game. Um, he's not the most individually skilled or creative, uh, but he can he can put the puck in the net, and he's one of the best skaters in this draft class. And I think that there is a place for guys like that, and I think that NHL teams – underestimated a guy like Jordan Cairo for the same reasons when he was coming out of the OHL is like another speedy undersized forward who, you know, there was some consistency issues in how he attacked the middle and there was mm -hmm. fear that he would be forced to be more of like a perimeter guy at the NHL level. And now we see him develop into a, a, a pretty good player. Right. So um, he's somebody that I would have a ton of time for in that back half of the first round. Just again, another guy that progressed a ton uh, over the course of the season. All right. So again, we're week out um, as you're listening to this. The assumption being it's probably going to be Will Smith at pick number four. If you are general Mike Greer, who are you kind of targeting at, at 26 or 36 to try to complement uh, what the Sharks are trying to build here? Yeah, I think that's that's a really good question. It's it's kind of a loaded one because it really just depends on on who's there, right? Like yeah. if you're San Jose, again, being in the position that you're in, we, we talked about it. This is the opportunity for them to take those sort of home run swings. So Quinn Musty, yeah, that would make a lot of sense for San Jose in that range. If a guy falls, let's say, I don't think it's going to happen because I've heard that he's going to go a lot higher than people have him ranked. But let's say Daniel Boot falls because of the Russian factor, right? Yep. That, that's a slam dunk pick, right? There's another guy, big guy, plays heavy, ton of upside, longer term project for sure. But San Jose can take that chance, right? So if you've got somebody that falls a little bit, uh, I think that's that's a chance they can take. Maybe a guy like, uh, he's not my favorite player in the draft, but a guy like Lucas Dragosevich, right? I love high end, high end skill, 
yes. high-end offensive upside as a puck mover. You know, maybe the defensive game never really comes around. Defense but if we're looking for at anyway. I know you said that last time. But, but you know what? Maybe, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe mm-hmm. you find a way to to sort of shelter him and and yep. fit him into your lineup in creative ways, right? And the upside is significant. Um, so those are the types of guys that I do think San Jose should be looking at. I'll throw another one at you. It's Bradley Nadeau, right? There's a guy that had one of the best seasons in the BCHL for a draft-eligible player ever, right? And the BCHL probably isn't as strong as it's been in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people are kind of underrating his skill set because of that. I think it would have been great to have seen him at some international tournaments this year. But yeah. um, like, for example, the World Junior A Challenge, BCHL leaving Hockey Canada, none of the BCHL players were were eligible for that event as they previously were to play for Canada West. It would have been amazing to see him at an event playing against, you know, the Otto Stenbergs, the Tom Willanders. Um, and yes. it's unfortunate that that didn't happen. Right. So um, I, again, here's another guy, huge long-term project. He's going the NCAA road. He's probably going to take three or four years before he's ready, mm. but the upside is pretty significant there. Uh, probably among the highest upside of goal scorers in this draft class, right? So, yeah, th- those are the guys that I'm targeting if I'm my career. All right. Uh, we'll get to your last two questions. The last time I asked you who you thought was going to be the best non encounter Bedard, you gave me the answer, Will Smith. Uh, this time I'm going to ask you who's the guy that gets drafted kind of in this range in five years from now. We're like, how did this guy fall this far? Yeah, I'll throw the name Tom Willander out. And I actually think he's probably going to go a little bit higher. I, I think that. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that's really making a push up draft lists late in the year. I heard he had some amazing interviews, um, and that obviously goes a long way. I heard he's a really intelligent kid who, who really came across well in his interviews. So I, I probably he probably doesn't end up being drafted in this him. round. Yeah, he, he probably goes in the top 15. But mm-hmm. I do truly feel that he has a chance to be the best defender in this draft class. He's somebody that I think we're sleeping on because – he doesn't have that individual skill that Dragosevich or uh, Sammy yeah. Palika do. He doesn't have the size that uh, Dimitri Simashev or, or David Reinbacher have. Um, but he's just one of those guys that's the sum of his parts, mm-hmm. right? Like everything he does is above average, in my opinion. And those guys translate so well. Those are the sneaky guys who end up your Devon Taves, who are, yeah. you know, playing 24 minutes a night on Stanley Cup winners. Um, your Josh Morrissey's, right? Those are the types of players that I think we undervalue going into the draft. And I think Willander, in a year where I don't think there's a perennial all-star on the back end, um, I think he has a chance to be the best defender. And I think when we look back on things, I think people are going to say maybe, you know, we should have been even higher on him. Like, we liked him. Like, why didn't we take him higher? <laughs> yeah, why did we just right? take him? Yeah. yeah. All right. And then last question, uh, what pick does Quentin Musty go? Oh, that's a really good one. Um, I think he goes in the top 20. I I do think that, again, like we talked about, bit of a unicorn now, right? Those types of players, they're not as abundant as they were in the mid-90s, the early 2000s, when, you know, the the Owen Nolan, Shane Doan, Keith Kachuk, Brendan Shanahan's were ruling the world, right? Like those Mm -hmm. types of players uh, are 
very rare to come across now. It's what makes a guy like Tom Wilson so valuable to, to Washington, right? Because there aren't many guys who play like Tom Wilson. And I don't think Quentin Musty is going to be that kind of power forward. But the frame, the skill, the potential to be that power forward, it's going to entice somebody in the top 20, in my opinion. Can you give me a pick? All right. Uh, I thought you'd let me off the hook. No, uh, I'm going to say he goes 18th. 18th to the rebuilding Winnipeg Jets. So makes sense there. Uh, Brock, you've said it all. Where can the people find you? Yeah, so they can find my work uh, at McKean's Hockey. We just released our draft guide. Really proud of the product this year. Um, so you can subscribe there and, and pick up your copy. Lots of good work on the website as well, uh, which a subscription will get you. Also on Twitter, lots of stuff on there. Uh, you can follow my podcast with Tony Ferrari on the the hockey news for the OHL. Uh, we're putting together a podcast coming up where we're going to have uh, a round table of some OHL draft eligible guys having some fun with them. Um, so nice. look out for that in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brock. Uh, Quentin Musty is intriguing you you can see it right you can see all the the things about that that compete level and we know mike greer and his compete level thing um but if he hits man does he hit so uh it'll be interesting to see where he goes i think somebody will talk themselves into it before the sharks pick at 26 um but he he could be one of those guys who were like how did he go here type of player or he never makes the NHL type of player. So he's he's a very intriguing guy and it'll be interesting to see who who kind of talks themselves into it. So um again, thank you guys for making Lockdown Sharks your first listen. Be back tomorrow with our friend Tony Ferrari. He he did the first draft profile of the year. He's gonna do the last draft profile of the year as well. Um, so again, where are you guys getting your podcast? Um, watch on YouTube. You follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at locked on sharks definitely going to want to check out the instagram page especially next week you go to nashville you're probably going to want to see some behind the scenes stuff um so that's where a lot of that stuff is going to be throughout the week um so and of course you can follow me on twitter at my fry hole and until tomorrow bye friends